Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. I'm Baron Bremner from DMOS, and today on Joint Effort, I'm pleased to have Dr. Julie Grunberg, who's a specialist in podiatric medicine here to talk about her specialty. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Julie, how long have you been with the uh, DMOS uh, family now? 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to believe. Where did you do your training? Uh, Broadlawns Medical Center. Okay. Yeah, that's where I did my residency training. The residency mm-hmm. training. And so uh, with podiatric medicine, you uh, are in a lot of the same classes as uh, medical school the first two years, right? Correct. Yeah. And then you are more focused in, in your specialty for the second two years? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what is the the whole training like? What do you do? Obviously, you do college, and then tell me what happens after that. And then you you pretty much pre decide your specialty if you decide to be in podiatric medicine. So you get accepted into medical school, and just like you said, you take here in the Des Moines University where I went. You take the first two years with the DO students, who are the doctor of osteopathic medicine. Um, medical students and then mm-hmm. the last two years you start to specialize into lower extremity um we took a extra lower extremity anatomy mm-hmm. uh, gross mm-hmm. anatomy and go on to rotations and do more um problem-based learning in smaller groups mm-hmm. to the last two years and the fourth year you do outside rotations um outside of the clinic area okay and then after that you need to do uh, specialized training also. And are there different lengths of training after your uh, podiatry school? Uh, Like two or three years, or what is the typical? Now they've standardized it. Everything is three years. Okay. Um, When, uh, 20-some years ago when I started, to a two-year surgical program, Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. it was more focused on podiatry. Now the three years, like Unity Point has a podiatry residency program Mm -hmm. that I help participate with and they rotate more outside rotations with like the infectious disease and anesthesia and psychiatry that they kind of didn't we weren't doing that okay 20 years ago so okay that was very standardized three years now but it was very focused surgery last time at broadlands so now if somebody wants to if they're in college and they want to be a podiatrist and work on foot and ankles exclusively um, they do their four years of college, they do four years of medical school, and they do three years of specialized training in podiatry? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and then now there's more uh, fellowships out there too for, for podiatrists and of course for the orthopedic and the mm-hmm. um, limb, it's called limb salvage is a big part of what they're trying to do for foot and ankle to okay. prevent lower leg amputations and try to save these diabetic feet which mm-hmm. are difficult to do so now it's even you can do further than their three-year I surgical see. so it's good for for the podiatric community mm-hmm. it's much more standardized than many many years ago okay. that it was sure yeah uh, and you are a Des Moines native, right? Correct. What did tell me? Where did you grow up, and what did you? What school did you go to, and stuff like that? Well, I graduated from Dowling. Dowling, okay. Yeah, I grew up in the Des Moines metro area, um, and then I went to Iowa State for a year and a half. Okay. Finished up at Drake, so <laughs> very okay. much Des Moines, and then yeah. Des Moines University. 
okay. in Broadlands. So okay. very, uh, very close to Des Moines. Love to travel, but love to be here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Des Moines is a great place. And you have children? Yep. What school system are they in? Uh, Des Moines Public Schools. Okay. So All I have right. a 10th grader at Roosevelt and an 8th grader, two boys, 8th grader at Merrill. Awesome. School. Awesome. Um, let's talk about a few uh, foot and ankle issues and um, we'll see how much time we have to get through. There's a lot of very interesting things that uh, you deal with. Uh, one thing, this is probably the hardest word to spell in, in foot and ankle practice, would be plantar fasciitis. Um, at least hard, hardest yeah. for me, I always have to think about fasciitis. <laughs> yes. Um, tell me, what is plantar fasciitis and who gets it? Well, it is an inflammation of the ligament on the bottom of the foot that attaches to the heel bone to the ball of the foot. Some people develop a spur with it, bone spur, and that's what everybody does kind of focus on. A lot of our patients come in and they have an x-ray from a family practice doctor. They're told they have a spur and they immediately think they need surgery. And I tell people 90% of the time they don't need surgery. There's a lot of conservative care for it. Um, you know, people, variety of people, people stand on their feet. Some people um, in activity and then you start back on a exercise routine we see a lot of that mm -hmm. now with new years new resolutions and uh, poor shoes are a big big most important factor with it okay um, some people who are have a congenital flat foot are sometimes more prone to it but uh, usually there's poor choices of your footwear okay. and maybe um, change of activity is the big thing that we usually see. It's like maybe wearing some Chuck Taylors and going out and playing pickup basketball or something yes. in a person with a flat foot or yes. could be a bad or combination to, my age. <laughs> trying to wear dudes all the time, those dude shoes. I yeah. don't know. The, oh, uh, yeah, the dude. Yeah. yeah. All right. Those are not. <laughs> yeah. And then don't going, yes, going from being on the couch to try to go work out in the gym every yeah. day. Yeah. So um, the different options for treatment that are non-surgical for that would be um, stretching. Yes. Do you, what about, isn't there something you can wear at night? Because I, I heard a lot of people like, get up in the morning and they walk and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't yes. even walk. First so steps, tell me about that. First steps out of bed is a real most uh, common complaint people have. And you're sleepy and your foot relaxes and that ligament tightens up and then inflammation settles in there. So there's something called a night splint and it keeps your, forces your foot into a 90 degrees or just slightly even higher than 90 degrees mm -hmm. to try to keep a passive stretch on that ligament. And also it's usually very interconnected to the calf muscle. Our, our calf muscles get really tight. And so that most people, if they can tolerate it all night, which a lot can't, yeah. it is helpful, helpful for that first steps in the morning. There's a lot of um, inadequate splints that just kind of pull your toes, dorsiflex your toes, and people give up on it, but it's an actual larger splint that okay. goes behind your calf muscle, stretches that to 90 degrees, or even just a little more than that. And that's something you prescribe or, or give them? Yes, or, yeah. we have them okay. at DMOS, yes. And you also, I know, are um, interested, obviously, uh, custom or off-the-shelf arch supports and things like that are in your wheelhouse, too. Yes. Does that play a role in plantar fasciitis treatment? Yeah, it does for most people. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the, bad, the good thing is shoes are much better than they used to be. So sure. some people um, can get away with some really good supportive shoes. And uh, and we have two um, off-the-shelf arch supports that we here at DMOS feel like are pretty 
reasonably priced and a good start for some people. Custom ones are really expensive and some people can't mm -hmm. afford them and the insurance mm -hmm. does not cover them most mm -hmm. of the time. So shoes and some even good off-the-shelf inserts can make a big difference. Are injections part of the treatment or not? Yes. For my okay. practice, yes. That's cortisone type thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, people worry that it's a, they worry it's a band-aid. If it's, you know, just going to fix it for short term. If you don't do everything else, you're supposed to yeah. stretch it. Yeah. Good supportive shoes, wear, don't go barefoot. Yeah. Um, then it can be a band-aid. Speaking about barefoot, what do you think about like, uh, you know, you know the Tara Humara runners in Mexico? Yes. You know, those ultra marathon runners? I wonder yes. if they get plantar fasciitis. I wonder. They're or maybe they don't. And people are, ask me about that barefoot running. I'm like, well, here in America, it's not a good idea. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's. A, I suppose if you are very, very, uh, you know, you know your terrain where you're running. Yeah, very um, diligent about stretching and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. But. And being barefoot is a really big part of people's foot pain in general. That people we come okay. they come see. And now with the pandemic, people working from home, oh. they're not putting on shoes. They're standing in their pajamas, maybe pajama bottoms, yeah. barefoot, sitting at a table with not a regular desk. There's been a lot of interesting foot things that people are complaining of more that they're home huh. for the last 10 months instead of doing their normal routine and getting getting out of their house. And, and, uh, and well, I, I know my daughters are like... They just wear flip-flops everywhere, even in the winter. I'm like, what in the heck is going <laughs> yes. on here? That can't be good for your yeah. feet either. Yeah. When you're young, you can get away with that. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what I tell people. Like, yeah. You can wear whatever you want. You can do is, But when your feet start hurting and you start yeah. to come to me, then you have to you have to be diligent. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing I'd like to talk about is uh, thickened nails. We've all seen our, a grandpa or a grandma or something in our family who's got this terrible, gnarly, thick big toenail or another toenail. What is going on with that? Well, some people do get the onychomycosis, which is a fungal change of the toenails. Some people can have onychodystrophy, which is just the, the changes of the nails. Some people, even who have psoriasis, can affect nails. So sure. people start taking medications or they use the antifungal medication that you can buy over the counter, it doesn't work. Well. Some, you know, some people, it's not fungus, so. How can you tell, do you take a sample? Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and then do like a potassium test or something like that? Yeah, well we send them down to the um, derm path, uh, okay. down at Iowa uh -huh. Pathology at Methodist. They do a great job of reading it. And so it's hard to get an actual culture to find fungus, but if you take a good clipping of the nail mm -hmm. and it shows pretty clearly that there's the fungal elements in the nail, and so sometimes you, people fail treatments because it's not really fungal. So that's pretty, That's uh, I didn't know that that was part of the um, diagnosis is before you decide if you're gonna treat it for oncomycosis, you get a sample. Yes. Always. It, in my practice, yeah. if you really truly wanna know, or if you've failed other treatments, especially if you wanna try the oral medicine, the oral medicine can work fairly well 80% of the time, but before you're going to take anything orally, mm -hmm. I make people, I feel like we need yeah. to confirm that diagnosis because it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't hurt to do it. We don't have to yeah. um, numb up the toe or anything right. like that. But um, Are there certain toes that are more affected with oncomycosis? Uh, I, I think the big toe, the great toe is yeah. the most common because it's, you know, why, how do you get it? I mean, so I believe some people just genetically it's tendency to have it you know with their family like 
Can you get in the showers at uh, your health club or something well, like that? You can, and that's why you should wear your your even Crocs in the in the shower yeah. of the health club. Yeah. But people who have chronic athlete's foot, it goes from skin to nail, nail uh-huh. to skin, and that's pretty common. Okay. Um, with that, and so when um, and sometimes you try everything, and you have to just physically mm-hmm. permanently remove a toenail to get rid of it. But yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of over the counter antifungal medicines and usually by the time they come in they have tried them and failed and so there there's a couple of t- prescription topicals that you can use that work a moderately better are those better on like lesser severe cases or are they yeah they, I would imagine they are penetrated it would be hard to yeah because they can be thick and flaky yes. what happens is there any damage if you just leave it alone and is it just cosmetic or will it cause damage to the underlying structures if you if you it, don't treat it sometimes they get so thick that you can get a little uh, small ulcer underneath there okay. or they start to really curve and some people get painful ingrown toenails mm-hmm. pain with shoes and an infection so you know some people they their spouse makes them come in and yeah. it's it's ugly and they want to know and they yeah. don't want to get it and yeah. sometimes it's it's cosmetic, but sometimes it is painful. We Will take, the spouse get it? It's very, very difficult. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's the chance. You can, if you just truly onychomycosis and fungal or the uh, your other toenails to get it, I think it's very high. But it's hard for other people. Okay, um, that's good news. Yeah. For us <laughs> yes, that's um, that is good news. So you talked about an oral medicine for that. Yes. Which I think you have to monitor your liver function for that, yes. right? Yeah. And not drink alcohol. Yes. And so what are the, three months you take it. Three 90 months. Days. Okay. One what, pill, 90 days. What are the other treatments um, and for that? The prescription, there's called Cyclopyrox, which is an older topical. Okay. Um, and the other one is Jublia, which is a newer one. Which oh, is yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah, I saw the, the, they, toe, yeah. the dancing toe picture on uh, They advertised TV. a couple of years yeah. ago in the Super Bowl a lot. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and it's like about $400 for the prescription. Okay. This is expensive. Yeah. Um, but for it to work, you really have to use it for nine to 12 months. So compliance really goes down. Yeah. And that's why the success is about 30% because most people give up okay. and are not diligent with it. Okay. Yeah, so. And then for recalcitrant cases, you take the nail out and kill the nail bed or? Yeah. Okay. You, I give people 50-50 shot. If you take the nail off and maybe you treat the nail bed mm-hmm. as it's growing out over the next six to nine months, if they really are set on cosmetically trying to save the toenail. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you can always do it permanently, but that sometimes that's the only real solution. My dad eventually had his, had his <laughs> yes. removed and ablated, so he just yes. had that soft, big toe. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you can be just fine, wear shoes, yeah. do whatever you want yeah. with, without a toenail. Um, let's talk about bunions, which are a super huge topic. Um, what is a bunion and why do people get them? Bunions are a structural change to the uh, first metatarsal for the big toe joint. Some people, um, usually it's hereditary, is the biggest okay. the, the biggest thing. And a lot of people, especially with flexible flat feet, really seem to tend to get the bunions. Um, you know, shoes progress them, I guess, I would mm-hmm. say, or aggravate them. Um, you know, we so see, trying to squeeze into a smaller shoe than you like. Yeah. You've always been a seven, so you always get a seven, but you're really an eight, yes. that sort of thing. Yes, and women are really bad about doing that. Uh, my father-in-law used to be a hand surgeon. When mm-hmm. he used to treat everybody, he would he would make them stand on the ground on a piece of paper, draw out their foot, 
and put it against their shoe and they're like, no, <laughs> yeah. not anymore, you know? Yeah. And it's true, you know? So it's, so the bunion is a bump. Everybody, you, you get a bump around the toes. There's some people have soft tissue bursa, like you can get around other joints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people come in and they have a, they think they have a bunion, you take an x-ray and it's arthritis in there. More of a, a joint problem than a structural problem. And with so, a stiff toe a lot of times with that, yes, right? Yes. Because you might have a flexible toe still with a bunion sometimes. Yes. Yeah, most people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a lot of times, yeah, it's a big topic right now of what's the proper way to fix them. When we started out, you there was, you know, less uh, structural thoughts about the, the bunion and mm-hmm. the, the big term, the lapidus is the fusion of kind of back into the midfoot area to fix a bunion and so there's a lot of a lot of new um, thoughts and studies about the bunion and some the the lapidus which is a fusion is a it's a longer definitely a longer recovery so the hard part with bunions is trying to treat the person and not just an x-ray of you yeah. know if you're 75 are you gonna fuse a joint and be non-weight for three months Maybe, well, yeah. You know, or are you going to... Well, that's what it? I was just going to ask you is the probably the first question you have to deal with is, you know, do you really need any kind of treatment for this? So if they come in with just a deformity but not pain, what do you tell them? I tell them do not do surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you accommodate your shoes, stretch your shoes. There's a few shoe uh, places still available out there, not very many, that would stretch a shoe. There's toe spacers. If you do have a flat foot, having a little bit of an arch support can kind of decrease some of that stress around the bunion. Yeah, it's. It, I tell people they have to be in, they have to be in quite a bit of pain and fail things to right. to go through to be happy with a bunion surgery. And then there's probably thirty different ways to treat a bunion, and with your the way that you treat. Um, Postoperatively, how long does it take for them to you know get back to walking and stuff like that? Well, even um, a fusion, you're three to six months and a whole year for your foot to really feel like you feel like completely mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little less aggressive bunion procedures where you can weight bear immediately, but realistically, it's it's eight weeks to even you know to get comfortable and swelling down and and to be in a shoe be all activities mm-hmm. if all bone heals well then maybe three months okay so it's you know and it's probably not like um every bun- i mean just like any kind of surge like you said earlier every bunion's not treated the same way even in the same practice you know there's some people who need an extensive a lapidus like you talked about and maybe something with the toe you know uh, the correction up there and there's yes. some people who might get by more with the chevron osteotomy and yeah and yep. maybe a, a screw or something. Yeah, shave, you know, re- shave, shaving, the, yeah. shave the bump. Everybody's like, I've had a bunion and I was in a shoe and I'm, somebody had was in a shoe in two weeks. Well, they really didn't have a full bunion. Right, <laughs> right. They're not all the same. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. And then it just, there's a lot with the right foot. If you have a right foot surgery, you're not supposed to drive and independence yeah. and, and, sure. uh, and being able to stay off your foot and mm-hmm. healing potential. So, you know. Pretty, pretty conservative when it comes to bunions of pick, picking people who mm-hmm. who are going to do well with surgery and and yeah. that's important you yeah. must have you must be just because it looks no no cosmetic bunions mm-hmm. for my practice right, right. <laughs> um, also you know we talked about plantar fasciitis on the bottom of the foot um, earlier I talked with the, or uh, dr. Uh, Sullivan talked with dr. Butler about Achilles tendonitis but in between those things you know 
pain on the heel, you know, on the bottom of the foot or on the sides of the heel, what can cause that sort of problem? Um, well, some people do get nerve issues and that can radiate okay. in the heel. Um, essentially, the, it's called tarsal tunnel, mm -hmm. which is like the carpal tunnel in the foot. It's the nerve that sits between the ankle and the Achilles. So that's a lot of nerve type pain. Some people get bursitis, you know, the inflammation of where the tendons mm -hmm. sit around there. Um, some people it's the thinning of the fat pad, fat pad atrophy. As we get older? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... Like feels like you're walking on a rock or something yes, like that? Yes, yeah. So we, we do lose the fat of uh, bottom of our ball of our foot and our heel. And so some people, especially older, some to, you know, tend to get some more heel well, it's really pain. miraculous that it doesn't happen earlier when you think about how sharp the heel bone or the calcaneus is and how much pressure especially a lot of us put on that yes. I mean that skin there is so resilient and tough for decades it, it it's is, amazing it is amazing I know when you take an x-ray and you show people and they're pretty surprised of how yeah. sharp that yeah. bone is and there's yeah there's not a lot of yeah, yeah. and they're unfortunately I mean they're working on trying to like fat pad restoration, but on the bottom of your foot, it just, it's, you know, how much we abuse it, it would be just You mean like a filler, like yeah. a lip filller or I've something or totally been, collagen? Yeah, thing? forever. Hmm. I was like, that's, that would be helpful for s small little things that prevent, probably would only work for maybe a few, yeah. you know, a few weeks or maybe a few months yeah. rather than, you know, yeah. long time. But, you know, there's, there's always, always interesting new things on that. Uh, right. That are possible, right. I suppose, yeah. How about, um, there's something else called a, a Morton's Neuroma, and there's a Morton's Toe, too. Do you guys call it a Morton's Toe in podiatry? Um, Where the second toe is longer than the first? Yeah, they, yeah. That, That's just a, it's a sign that you're smarter than everyone else's yeah. if, you're, if your second toe is longer than the, the big toe. That's right, yeah. And some people, it's because the first First metatarsal is too short. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, but yeah, tell, that's, that's a term. Yeah. Tell me about a Morton's neuroma, if you would. What the symptoms are like, and what you can do to treat that. Well, most people come in and they say they they have some maybe some burning or tingling to, to two usually two of the toes, and it's usually between the the big toe is number one, so we usually second and third toe, or the third and fourth toe. It's not real common to have a Morton's neuroma specifically the, all the toes burn and mm -hmm. that's usually maybe something else but a specific area that's bugging you and mm -hmm. usually people feel it's on the bottom of their foot they they feel like maybe they say they feel like they stop it, step it on a hot poker people say that all the time I don't know that's what people imagine you know mm -hmm. and, and they feel like their sock is balled up and they take the shoe off and mess with their sock and there's that's not mm -hmm. um, and so usually there's a nerve that gets eaten Kind of pinched or impinged between the the larger metatarsal head back behind the toe, and then there's a branch that goes to the corresponding toes. And so, you know, it's it gets inflamed. There's um, and then when we walk and we do more exercise or wear high heel shoes, we put more pressure on there. Then that nerve gets irritated. So, you know, you try to relieve the pressure from side to side. Mm -hmm. Wider shoes, an orthotic that has like elevates the front of the foot like with a metatarsal pad okay and injections we do those too and if they fail there's also an injection therapy called sclerosing okay which you dehydrated alcohol and you do smaller injections for up to six or seven injections and you try to destroy that nerve right okay. where it is without 
cutting the nerve and going in and doing surgery. So. Do you have to find it with like an ultrasound or something, or you just know where it is in the in the foot and you can I put the needle in your I head. haven't had to use an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. You know where it's at, yeah. and and I have my patients. I I you just move the needle around a little mm -hmm. bit. It sounds kind of torturous, but it's yeah, not it that does. bad. Okay. Most people tolerate it well, and then you know, and you, with their response, you know immediately where that yeah. nerve is, and and so you you def definitely try to pinpoint that and. And so it's a great alternative to surgery mm -hmm. and not all, you know, not downtime. You can put your shoe on, you can leave, but you know, the shot, the thought of a shot for some people is worries them, but it's a lot, it's a lot better outcome for some people than, than surgery and about the same, I mean, 70% successful. And some people, when you cut a nerve with, with an aroma, mm -hmm. you know, some people 85%, you can still get scar tissue and. So some people are great, and some people still have a little residual issues with the with the foot. Well, like we all, I mean, it sounds like you have the same philosophy as me. If if we can treat it without surgery, you know, that's what we want to do yes. most of the time. Yes. Um, well, you know, now at DMOS we have um, two excellent podiatrists, and we have two excellent foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons. We have quite a foot and ankle department now um, to serve Central Iowa. I really appreciate you coming on the program. You gave us a wealth of information. We could probably talk for three or four hours on this topic. We'll have to have you back sometime. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Great. Thanks for listening to Joint Effort, a podcast from Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. If you have questions about this podcast and wish to schedule an appointment with a surgeon, call 515-224-1414 or visit dmos.com.